morning everybody and we're into part two now of what is the gospel and today we're looking at a definition of the gospel. We're going to the scriptures mm -hmm. to understand when we say the term gospel, what does the scripture actually deem that to mean? Yeah? Yeah. And the last time we were together, if you remember, we started to look into the to whom the gospel was addressed. Remember that? Yeah. And we saw so clearly, it's only written to God's redeemed. Yeah. Yeah? And so many people think it's written to all those who are, they put it, uh, dead in trespasses and sin, without God, without hope. But we saw clearly from the scripture that God is addressing his redeemed. Yeah. Yeah? And that's going to be very significant as we go into this today. And one of the reasons uh, we need to define what the gospel of the good news actually is, is because if we understand to whom it's addressed, yeah, if we understand to whom it's addressed, that goes a huge way in us really pointing, really pointing us in the right direction as to what the gospel actually is. Yeah. What the gospel actually is. If we understand to whom it's addressed, then it starts to define for us what the context of that gospel is. Because it's only relevant to those who are redeemed. And we're going to see that as we get through the scriptures. Because many define the gospel in numerous different ways. There have been hundreds of books written about the various gospels in the scriptures. Yep. So there's massive confusion. Yeah? Whenever you get a multitude of books around about a given subject, you will get everybody's different idea as to what they think it means. Yeah? But we've got to go back to what the scriptures say. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get back into what the scriptures actually say. Yeah, and get rid of a lot of that confusion, hopefully. We have to allow the scriptures to define the gospel. Now that sounds so fundamental, you know, it almost sounds ridiculous to say it, but that is so often what's not done. That we do not allow the scriptures to define what the gospel is. In fact, we don't allow the scriptures so often to define what anything is. Yeah, we'd rather go to the, you know, the hottest theologian or the hottest TV station to go and listen to what they have to say. Yeah? Whereas what we have to do is go back to what do the scriptures say. Now do you see the subtitle today? Definition of the gospel according to Jesus Christ. And I put it in there, he should know. What don't you think? Yeah. If the author and finisher of our faith cannot define the gospel for us, we're in real trouble. Yeah? Because then you, you, I'm not going to rely on somebody else to define it. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go to the scriptures and allow the Holy Scriptures to define what the gospel is. And today, if we do that, mm -hmm. guess what? We're going to end up with a correct definition. We're going to end up with what God wants us to understand as to what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I did in your notes there, we're going to go into in a minute, is start to look at some of the different usages of the word gospel. But many of us struggle with Many of us are going to struggle with this definition. Now why is that? Why do we struggle with the definition given by Jesus Christ of the gospel? Because we've been listening to theologians throughout the centuries defining it for us. yeah, mm -hmm. And defining it for themselves. And now the church doctrine is overriding what Jesus Christ defined the gospel as. See? That's what can easily, easily happen. And as I say, there's countless books written on this mm -hmm. subject. Yeah? on the different definitions of what the gospel actually is. But do you know what we're going to do today? We're going to see that there's only one definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You don't have to have a list of definitions of the gospel. It's clearly yeah. defined in the scripture, and it's clearly, and we're going to see it today, it's clearly defined as one gospel. Yeah. 
O-N-E. One gospel. Okay. And no more than one. Yeah. It's not one and a half. It's not one and a quarter. It's not one and your little bit added in. It's one gospel. And we're going to see that from the scriptures. And when we allow the gospel to, to be defined by the scriptures and by our Lord Jesus Christ, it gets rid of all the confusion in all of our lives. We don't turn to the theological systems of this world to define it for us. Because yeah. Yeah? then you and I will get confused. And do we realize the scriptures are inerrant? As they were originally given, they were absolutely perfect. Yeah. And now, because of translation, because of the transmission throughout the centuries, error has crept in. And we're going to see it, we saw it the last time we were together, how Satan, a trait of Satan is how he creeps into the church. Yeah? Yeah. You don't see him there. Mm -hmm. He's growing up alongside us. Yeah? Jesus Christ told us that 2,000 years ago. And now we've got to get back to what that inherent scripture is saying to us. What it's crying out to us on this subject of the gospel. So then we end up with a little bit of a dilemma, don't we? Do we go by what the weight of theological systems of this world dictate to us? Or do we go by the scripture? You see? Uh, and that sounds a real easy dilemma to sort out in your mind. But it isn't. No. Yeah, it is not easy. It is not easy to push that off. What the, the systems of this world, the theological systems, and the weight and the credibility that the world gives to that against what the scripture actually defines it as. Mm -hmm. yeah? And we've got to go by what the scriptures actually define it as. As difficult as that is, in all of our lives, we've got to come back to what God says in the scripture. And, you know, we'll see today, by the way, that there is only one definition. Mm -hmm. yeah? So, us walking out of here today, it's going to be really easy for somebody who comes up to you and says, Hey, what's the gospel? Oh, it's easy. I've got yeah. one definition for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one definition for it. Because we're going to see the definition that Jesus Christ gave it. Yeah? That should hold some weight for us, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you think that would hold some weight for us? Yeah. Yeah? But going out of here, talking to the redeemed, you go and tell them what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is, according to Him, according to the author and finisher of our faith, and just watch the response you get. Yeah. Yeah? You better start ducking. Because mm -hmm. it will not be accepted yeah. as being the definition. But we're going to see it as the definition today. So let's start out, as I say, with this list in your notes as to what often is quoted as being the various Gospels spoken about in the Scriptures. Because yeah. you get theological doctrines and theological denominations built on some of this stuff as to the different Gospels that are in, in the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to see that all of these are referencing the one Gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But what happens is, the deceit comes in, yeah, and Satan, we're going to see a little later, starts to divide up the church into segments so that everybody is so confused now as to what the Gospel of the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ is actually talking about, and they don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's his goal. Yeah, we saw it the last time we were together. So let's rattle through this list. The Gospel of the Kingdom. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of God. Now these are all usages in the scripture of the word gospel. And I know I'm not taking the whole context in. And that's on purpose because we don't want to be here for two days. Right? But we're going to be looking at some of these uh, references to gospel as we move through this. So the gospel of God, the word of the gospel, the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of his son, the gospel of Christ, the apostle Paul, 
talking here, according to my gospel, Paul referencing, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, now people say, oh yeah, there was Paul's gospel, and over here there was the Lord Jesus Christ's gospel. Yeah. They're not the two different gospels. Yeah. And we've got to understand this by the dispensational understanding of the Apostle Paul relating to the gospel of grace in, this, in the dispensation of grace, whereas Jesus Christ, oh no, he's over here, he's talking about something else. He's under the dispensation of the Jews, and he's talking to Israel, and this is now a different gospel. No, it's not. No. Okay, it's the same gospel. Because yeah. we're going to see it, Paul in Galatians talking about the one gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not two, yeah. and not multiples of that. Mm -hmm. In any way is, is, is that the truth according to the scripture. Yeah. The gospel to the uncircumcised. The gospel to the circumcised. The gospel of the glory of Christ. God's gospel. The gospel of your salvation. The gospel of peace. The mystery of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. The gospel of the glory of the blessed God. The gospel of the power of God. And the eternal gospel. Now, I, may, I, may, I may have missed out some. But I think that's enough to be getting on with, isn't it? Yeah? But you start to see why we're going to have maybe a little bit of difficulty getting a standard definition of what the gospel actually is. Yeah. yeah? It would be so easy to go off on all of these tangents and end up with multiple gospels. Yeah. And multiple definitions of that gospel. Yeah? Whereas God's saying, hold on, there's only one. Mm. And I'm referring to these gospels. I'm referring to one. To one! Yeah, we're going to see that from the scriptures. So let's first understand the word gospel. It's a Greek word, genial, which means good news. Now, if I came up to you and said, hey, I've got some good news for you, what would be your first question? What's the good news? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. You're not going to let me stand there. You would say, what is that good news? Yeah. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at what the good news is. Because that's exactly what gospel means. It's good news. And we're going to, some of the usage of gospel in these sections of scripture to get a better understanding as to what Jesus Christ was talking about when he talked about the gospel of the good news. What good news? Yeah? We've got to understand what the good news is. Yeah. And before we do that, I want us to be absolutely clear on the strategy of Satan. And remember we saw the definition of strategy the last time we were together. And I've quickly reviewed, I think I put in your notes. A word of military origin refers to a plan of action designed to achieve a particular goal. Did you get that? Yeah. A particular goal. So Satan has a particular goal in mind. Yeah? Yeah. When he goes through the religious and theological systems of this world, redefined in the gospel. Mm. You see? Yeah. That's what he's doing. Jesus Christ defined it. We're going to see Abraham defined it, and the scriptures continue to define it, but he goes out into the church, he goes out into the theological systems of this world to redefine it. Yeah. And there's a purpose and a tactic in why he does that. And we're going to see it today. Yeah. We're going to see that Satan's confusing the church redeemed about what the gospel actually is. Because you go and talk to them, and ask them what the gospel is, and see if they come up with the right definition. Yeah? All the indications are they will not. Mm -hmm. You talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ being the gospel 
of his coming reign in his coming earthly kingdom and see what response you get. You're already getting it. You're already getting it if you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah? And it's not positive. Is it? No. It's not positive. Far from it. Look at 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 11.3. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I am afraid that as a serpent deceived. Now, do you see that word? Deceived. Yeah. Yeah? It's deceit. Yeah. Yeah? And when the, when the disciples asked Jesus, What are the signs of the ends of the times? He said, Watch out for deceit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that came out of his head. The first thing that came out of his mouth was watch, you guys, watch out for deceit. Yeah. That's the first thing that's going to turn up. Yeah. yeah? And so often it is. And he deceived Eve by his what? His cunning. Yeah. His cunning. He comes with cunning. He comes with deceit. Mm -hmm. He is sly. He comes through the theological systems of this world, dividing the gospel of Jesus Christ into many gospels, yeah. so that the redeemed don't know what to believe. Mm. Yeah. And look at this. Your thoughts. Your what? Your thoughts. Because your actions come from your thoughts. Yeah. Mm. You and I act according to our thoughts. And you and I's actions in this life are determining what's going to come up in the future for all of us. Yeah? Yeah. See how important that is? You get your thoughts first. <laughs> He's not so interested in your actions. He wants to get your thoughts first. Because he knows enough about your mind and your actions that if he can get your mind, he gets your actions. Wow. Yeah? He gets your mind, he gets your actions. Yeah. Yeah? So your thoughts will be what? Led astray. Don't you see that? Led astray. It's one step at a time. Yeah? It's one step at a time. Now we're talking about the redeemed here. Mm -hmm. yeah? We're not talking about those outside of the church who don't care about God. We're talking about you and I, those in the church, those who are redeemed, those who are called by God, yeah, are getting led astray. Mm -hmm. This is not talking about the right unbeliever who's downtown every Friday night getting drunk, full of drugs. That's not who it's talking about necessarily. Right. Yeah? It's talking about those in the church who are redeemed and who are getting their thoughts mm -hmm. yeah. led astray yeah, from the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which we're going to see today is one gospel. Yeah? From a sincere, and look at this, a pure devotion to Christ. What does that mean? The Messiah. Mm -hmm. The anointed one. Anytime you read Christ, it's the anointed one. It's the Messiah. Yeah. And what does that relate to? Kingdom. Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Kingdom. He's wanting us to be led astray from the Messiah who is pointing us into the kingdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who is pointing us to an inheritance we're going to see in that kingdom. He does not want you and I there. And if we end up there, he wants us to have as little inheritance as we can possibly get. Yeah. And he does that, we're going to see it today, by distorting the gospel of Jesus Christ into multiple gospels. Yeah. Look at verse 4. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, guess what? They will come. Mm -hmm. That's our question mark after that. They will come and they will proclaim another Jesus. Is that available? Absolutely. So just because you're hearing the word Jesus, just because they're proclaiming with all the boldness and with all the charisma that they come in, and we're going to see it in a little bit later, yeah, that these guys are super apostles. These guys are not your wimp in a corner weren't hoping somebody believes this. They are up front. They are being magnified 
they have been, the world is putting them up on a pedestal. These are the greatest things in sliced bread. You've got to listen to these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah? For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, then the what? One. We proclaim. They're proclaiming one Jesus. Yeah, right. We're going to see not only are they proclaiming one Jesus, they're proclaiming one gospel. Yeah. Yeah? Or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received. Do you see the word one there? Mm-hmm. Yeah? God's into the number one. He's not into multiple confusion regarding what we're dealing with here. Yeah? Or if you accept a different gospel from the what? The multiple? The one. <laughs> the one. So Paul's here saying, look, this is the one gospel. You go outside of this one gospel, you are getting deceived by Satan. Yeah? Mm. But bear in mind, how is he coming? Verse 4 told us they're going to come proclaiming another Jesus. Another gospel. Do you see that? Yeah. This is so subtle. We have got to so catch on to this. And when we see it turning up in our worlds, we have got to be so sharp on it. Because it will be so closely aligned Mm -hmm. to the one gospel of Jesus Christ, you will not get a sheet of paper in between it. Mm -hmm. Got it? You have got to be so into the scripture, you have got to be so tuned into the word of God, that you start to see it for what it is. Yeah, we're going to see that. So he says, if you receive a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Now listen. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Hmm. Did you get that? They're super apostles. <laughs> yeah? These guys can communicate. These guys are bold. These guys have the scriptures. Yeah? And some of them will have more scripture than you and I will ever have. Right off the top of their head. Right. Yeah? But we've got to be tuned into these scriptures. We are going to be so tuned into the one gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that we do not waver from that one gospel regardless of the arguments these super apostles put up. Yeah? Verse 6. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plan to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preach what? God's gospel to you free of charge. Wow, fantastic. Now do you see that the scriptures, what the scriptures are crying out to us? Super apostles will come, because we saw that in verse 4, didn't we? Super apostles will come, and they will try and get God's call, God's redeemed, away from the one gospel of Jesus Christ. The one gospel of God. That's their strategy. Okay? That's their strategy. That is part of Satan's strategy. But look at what he's using to, to get it accomplished. Mm-hmm. He's using super apostles. Yeah. And most of the church are looking out at the godless, thinking that is the issue. Yeah. They are not the issue. Yeah. They are not the issue. The issue is within the church. The issue are the super apostles <coughs> coming and defining and redefining the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the issue. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got to be so sharp on. Yeah. But you know, very few are asking that question as to what the issue is. Yeah? Very few are asking the question. They're too busy teaching multiple gospels and putting all the theological arguments as to why this gospel is different from that gospel. This is a different gospel over here. And 
the word and the scriptures and Jesus Christ, the author, and finish it off. The gospel is telling us something totally different. Yeah, and we'll see that as we move through the series. Look at Galatians one five. Now, get the emotion in this. Yeah. yeah, from the Apostle Paul, because he's, he's teaching the Galatians, he's teaching the redeemed within the church regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he's teaching a church that have, have just received that one gospel, and now what are they doing? They're moving away from that one gospel. And he's coming in and rattling them around the head and saying to them, hold on a minute, you just got this gospel, and now you're already moving away from it. Look at this in verse 5. To whom? Be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished. <laughs> He's absolutely shocked about this church. Yeah? That you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Mm. So the first thing you see is it's done what? Quickly. Remember the parable of the soils. The word of the kingdom is sown into the yeah. soils. The birds quickly come and take it away. Through the deceitfulness of riches and through the cares of this world. Yeah? But just watch this now. Because what, what did he say there? He said that they were so quickly what? Deserting. Him who called you. Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. So we're going to get a definition here of what it is to desert him who has called all of us. Yeah? yeah? Coming up. In the grace of Christ. And look at what he says. And are turning to a different gospel. So what's his definition of somebody who is deserting Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody who goes to a different gospel. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. Wow. That is somebody who goes to a different gospel. So this is not something we should take lightly, is it? Because no. if you and I get taken away and led astray to a different gospel, we are deserting the Lord Jesus Christ who called us. Mm -hmm. So don't take this lightly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah? We take it lightly at our peril. We really do. It's not just, well, I'm going over here to this other church. And I'm going to hear and listen to what they've got to say. Because mm. I heard they're teaching some really interesting stuff over there. Oh yeah? If it's leading you away from the one gospel of Jesus Christ, guess what? You are deserting the Lord who called you. Wow. Yeah? Look at verse 7. Not that there is another one, guys. <laughs> there is no other one. 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 There is no other one. Yeah? But there are some, see that? Mm -hmm. Who trouble you. Where do you think they're coming from? Yeah. They're coming. We saw it in Corinthians, oh. didn't we? Right. They're coming, they're talking about another Jesus. They're talking about another gospel. Yeah. And they're leading and pe pulling people astray, mm -hmm. yeah, into these other gospels. And these people are deserting the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when that guy came up to him and said, Lord, Lord, I've been to all your meetings, I've been to all your teachings, I've got a rack full of your CDs, and, you know, I'm here. Right. And he said, I don't even know you. Right. Why? Because that guy was in a different gospel. Yeah. Yeah. He may have been using the name of Jesus, right? He may have been turning up to the meetings, but he was in another gospel. He had to be. That's the only way you can reconcile these scriptures. Yeah? Because they were doing all the mighty miracles, they were doing all the mighty works, but Jesus Christ said, oh, hold on, I, I don't know you. Now, did he know them? Of course he did. He knew they were redeemed. Yeah. But the way they were coming, the way they were coming to him was via another gospel. The gospel of the broad path. 
the gospel of the big wide gate. Yeah. They did not. They could not have been striving through the narrow gate. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they said, "Yeah, I know you. You're redeemed. You have strove. You have done what needed to be done. You have come the way that I said that you had to come." So why does the Christian church today think this is easy cakewalk? Exactly. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can it be if he's turning around and saying, "No, you're going to strive." Oh, but I don't want striving. I, I want that prosperity gospel. I want everything slotted into my life. And if anything comes, if it's sickness, persecution, wow. I mean, if that turned up in their life, goodness knows what they're going to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But he had to be looking at a different way that they were coming. Yeah. And look at this. Who trouble you? There are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Do you understand that those outside of the church mm-hmm. couldn't care less about anybody distorting the gospel of Christ? Yeah. yeah? It's those inside. And our focus has got to become on the inside. Both in terms of what we saw last week, winning some. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is talking about the redeemed. It's not talking about those rank unbelievers who are not called, who are not redeemed. It's those inside of the church that God wants yeah. brought under his influence and control. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So this is a gospel we're going to see defined by Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Now, another question. How old is this gospel? Because, yeah? you know... We need, you know we need to go back and look thousands of years back yeah, and see this one gospel being revealed. And many think this gospel turned up when Jesus turned up. Well, it didn't. Yeah, We're going to see that as we go through this. Let's look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 8 and the scripture. For seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by what? Faith. This is talking about the Gentiles. And Gentiles, is, again, is a, is a word. I think we covered it the last time we were together. But it's nations. Those outside of Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be just... And look at this. Preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. How far back in ancient history do we need to go to see the gospel being preached? Right. Yeah? Abraham! Yeah. Yeah? That wasn't last year. Yeah? But the gospel was preached to Abraham. But do you, know, do you understand the context of that? The Gentiles being justified by faith was revealed to Abraham. Saying, in you shall all the nations, yeah, Gentiles, be blessed. It's a phenomenal truth. Yeah, and one that is so missed and hopefully we'll get, we will get to it at some stage in this series. But do you see how early on God revealed that the Gentile nations will be blessed? Do you see that? was when the gospel first got preached. Do you realize that's the first thing, that was one of the first promises to Abraham was that the Gentile nations will be blessed. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Because yeah. many think that this gospel and the truth of the Gentile nations getting blessed, that it was something that was revealed at a much later date. Well, we're going to see what was revealed at a later date. That mystery, often referred to as the great mystery, revealed to the Apostle Paul. But we see it right here, yeah, all the way back in Genesis, God telling him, telling Abraham, all these na- all these nations outside will also get blessed. Yeah, I'll clarify that at a later time. So this gospel was what it was preached to Abraham, and for all of us, that is ancient history. Yeah. yeah, it's ancient history, but it was preached. So let's come into modern history now. Yeah, let's come into modern history now. Look at the immediate context, and, and I mean immediate in this verse that we're going into in Matthew 4. Yeah? 
This is Jesus right here preaching the gospel. Capital T, capital H, capital E, gospel. Yeah, Matthew 4, 23. And he went throughout, the, out, throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel. The good news. Of what? Next three words. Of the kingdom. Yeah, of the kingdom. Satan hates these words. Yeah, he really does. Gospel of the kingdom are not words that is not decoupaged on top of Satan's sink. He hates these words. And there are reflection in it when he followed Jesus Christ around. As he proclaimed we're going to see the gospel of the kingdom. And the deceit that he brought into the church quickly. Remember we saw that with the Apostle Paul. Quickly he tries to get that deceit in there. He tries to water down that gospel of the kingdom. He tries to get it distorted. So it's into multiple gospels. And nobody knows what anybody's talking about. Yeah? And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. But do you see here how Jesus is starting to define the good news? Yeah? Now many people will say, well, you know, that gospel of the kingdom relates to a whole pile of different stuff. And yes, it does. You cannot have the gospel of the kingdom without the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah? This is not something you can just split up. Yeah? It's integrated into the gospel of the kingdom. It's a one gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a one gospel. It's not the gospel of the resurrection. It's not the gospel of his birth. It's not the gospel of anything else. It's the whole gospel of God. It's the whole picture of the kingdom. Because you don't have a kingdom. Do you understand that? If you're not raised from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> you're dust! So to try and separate the resurrection out of the gospel of the kingdom is not available. Well, you, you, it's available, right, to try to do it. But if you're going to go by what the scriptures say, it's a complete whole. It's one gospel. It's like these buildings that you see going up downtown Vancouver. It's, it's fitly framed together yeah, into a building. And that's the way this gospel of the kingdom is. Yeah? You can't have the gospel of the kingdom and take out the resurrection. Take out the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or anything else. Relating to that kingdom. Because when you put a building up, it's fitly framed together. You start taking walls out of that building, you end up with a very flat building. So we've got to understand this. We've got to understand that Jesus Christ is talking about the gospel of the kingdom, which is the ultimate goal, yeah, that he's proclaiming, yeah. But within that gospel of the kingdom is the whole structure of his life, birth, life, death, resurrection. Amen. Got it? Can't be divided up. We don't want to be dividing it up. Yeah. But there's a focus. There is a focus. Yeah. He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about this coming earthly kingdom. And that focus of his life, birth, life, death, resurrection, is firmly focused on us getting our inheritance in that coming kingdom. Yeah. yeah. So key that we see that. So there would be no gospel of the kingdom without him. Yeah. So you, you can't just isolate it. It's complete. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic in the way it's put together in the scriptures. But you know something? You will not believe the resistance you will get teaching this message. Why would you get resistance teaching the message of Jesus Christ? If this is the message, if this is the one message of Jesus Christ, 
that, di di that dictates to us that we're to live a holy lives, that we're to focus on His words, the gospel of the kingdom. Why would you receive any resistance to it? That should set up such huge alarm bells mm -hmm. in all of our hearts and lives. The church has got so distorted from the gospel that now it's something totally alien to them. And we've seen it before in previous series, they have veils over their eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Satan has built up such a resistance to the true message of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom that now when you and I talk to the redeemed about it, they can't hear you. They cannot hear you. They're hearing the words, but it just goes right through, right over their heads. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one of the reasons is Jesus Christ hasn't revealed it to them. Yeah. Scriptures tell us that very clearly in the Scripture that we will know God and the Scriptures to the point that He allows us to know it, and that He reveals it to us. And not just that, but you, do you understand that they're going to be the ones who will actually persecute us for this message? When this persecution turns up, it's not going to be the ungodly. It's not going to be those who hate God no. turning up. It's those they weren't, who turned up in His life. Who were in his face every day? Redeemed. Yeah? It was redeemed. Yeah. So it's on its way. Just keep preaching the message. You've got that to look forward to. Yeah. yeah? So here's another version, Matthew, now, that throws some light as to what this good news of the gospel is about. Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout all cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom is yeah. what he's preaching, yeah? And healing every disease and every affliction. Now, does it specifically say there that Jesus is teaching about his life, his death, his resurrection? It doesn't say that, does it? Mm -hmm. He's proclaiming the kingdom. But all of that is encompassed within that message. Mm -hmm. You understand? But his focus, he's getting people to focus on what's coming. Yeah, yeah. Because their inheritance is dependent on how they live their life. Now, remember the rich man? Yeah. You've got to walk with me in the present tense. You will get into age-lasting life. Yeah. In the kingdom. In the kingdom. It's fantastic. So we can't separate all these things from the totality of the gospel message. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. We can't do it. Because Satan wants us to do that. He's yeah. giving all of the arguments, all the disputes about all these different gospels and all these different aspects. Where Jesus Christ said, hey, it's one gospel, guys. It's one gospel. It's this gospel of the kingdom. And related to all of that gospel of the kingdom is my life, my death, my resurrection, and you walking in the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And we've got to see it. But you notice it's the gospel of the kingdom. Does it say it's a gospel of you going to heaven when you die? <laughs> you got to rush for that. Email me when you find it. Yeah. yeah. There's no verse that tells us we're going to heaven. No. No, there's a revelation for most people. People shutting down right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, we've got to allow that, the scriptures to define that. So we've got to recognize what Jesus Christ was preaching. But do you realize he was preaching about nothing else? Mm -hmm. Other than the gospel of the kingdom. That was his central message. That was his only message. So when you and I teach that message, why do we get the response that we get? Same reason he got it. Mm. Yeah? People True. do not have eyes to see and ears to hear. True. Yeah? And we're going to see that if this is not preached, we're not teaching the whole gospel and the whole counsel of God. Yeah? 
So it's not an option. <laughs> it's not, well, yeah, I like that gospel of the kingdom you're teaching. And we teach all that stuff, but yeah, we don't, we don't quite touch on that gospel of the kingdom because we're going to heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah? That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ then. Mm-hmm. That is not the gospel we saw earlier. It is not the gospel of Jesus. They have deserted the Lord Jesus Christ. How did Paul, by revelation, define that in Galatians? He said, the minute you move away to another gospel, you have deserted that person who called you. Wow. Jesus Christ. Don't dilute this. The importance of this is absolutely phenomenal. This is not optional. It's not, yeah, well, maybe I'll get to it. No, you better get to it today. That's right. You better get to it today. You and I better get to it. Get to that understanding of it. And don't allow anybody to stray you off it. Because we saw where that influence comes from. Now let's look at what the greatest apostle who ever lived said about the gospel. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty cool thing to do, don't you? Mm-hmm. Do you think he's got some insight? If this guy received more revelation than anybody else, wrote down more of the scripture than anybody else in the New Testament, yeah? do you think he's got some insight? Yeah. I think we should listen. Switch off your God TV and listen to this guy talking. Yeah? Yeah. Acts 20, 17. We'll rattle through these first few verses. Actually, do we need to read all that? Well, let's read it. <laughs> Context. Now, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said, You yourselves know how I lived among the, you the whole time from the first day that I set in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. Uh, remember that now. He served the Lord with all humility, yeah, and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the redeemed. There's a surprise. Yeah. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So he's not shrinking back. Mm-hmm. He's teaching them everything. Get it? Now I understand why I have this context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 21. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Some exciting stuff coming up. Remember what he's done. Yeah, don't forget this as we get through these verses. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testified to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. Where would your taxi be going if if you knew that? Mm. In the opposite direction. Not for him. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course. Mm. Now he's going to come up in the next couple of verses and define that for us as to what he felt was finishing his course, which is what you and I should all be concentrating on. It's finishing our course. Yeah. Finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. Now put a big two in there. <laughs> two. Testify. So here he is. Okay, here's finishing my course, here's fulfilling my ministry to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wow. Now don't put a period in there, because there's no period in the text, you know that. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep reading. He's not now teaching a gospel of grace as opposed to all the other gospels that we read about when we first started this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's one gospel. Remember he told the Church of Galatia that? Don't stray 
of that one God. He wasn't telling them, no, I'm teaching you something else. This is a gospel of grace as opposed to all these other gospels that Jesus talked about. No. It's the same gospel. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom. Is he defining what he just said? Yeah. When he said the gospel of the grace of God. Okay. It's proclaiming the kingdom. Mm. This is not something new. It's not something different. It's not another gospel. No. He's proclaiming the same gospel. Remember Abraham? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that promise was related to the Gentiles being blessed and the kingdom. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one gospel. Throughout all of scripture, it's one gospel. Proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. He knew he was dying. But what was he doing? How was he going out? Yeah, he knew he, he knew the clock was ticking. I don't have much time here. I'm going to go out and testify to the gospel or the grace of God, and I'm going to proclaim that kingdom because that proclaims the God, grace of God mm -hmm. like nothing else does. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're not going to see my face again. Both battles blazing. Yeah. He's given it everything he can possibly give in his life and ministry. And what is he doing? Proclaiming the kingdom. Amen. Proclaiming. Did you hear that? Proclaiming the kingdom. But look what he goes on to say. Therefore, I testify to you this, that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. Why do you think he said that? Because he proclaimed it on the kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's up to you guys. You respond to this the way you want to respond to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Parable of Swords again. Yeah? I'm innocent mm -hmm. of your blood. Because yeah. I have proclaimed it. Yeah? Yeah. He gave it to them. He gave them the option. This is what you're going to do. You're going to strive. You're going to enter in. You're going to walk by the will of the Father. All that stuff that relates to the kingdom. He was innocent of their blood. Because it was up to them to respond. Yeah. Wow. Do you know it's up to you and I to respond? Mm -hmm. Yeah? To the kingdom. Look at verse 27. For I do not shrink. Boy, was, boy did he not shrink. Mm. <laughs> he, he gave it to them. Remember Galatians. I'm astonished. Slapping them about the head. What do you think you're doing? You know, I've given you this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you're distorting it. And you're moving away to other gospels. What the heck are you doing? Mm. He didn't shrink. I do not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Can you see the question coming up now? Are you and I declaring the whole counsel of God if we don't do what he did in that context? Mm. We're absolutely not. That may be news to a lot of people, but we're absolutely not. You may be talking about Jesus. You may be talking about the resurrection. You may be talking about heaven and going when you, uh, to heaven when you die. But if you are not proclaiming the whole gospel of Jesus, the whole counsel of God, and how do you do that? Context! Context! Here! Mm -hmm. Right here! That's how he describes yeah. preaching and declaring the whole counsel of God. The gospel of the grace of God. The kingdom. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. That's how you declare the whole counsel of God. It's all, remember I said earlier, a whole integrated package. 
It's the one gospel of Jesus Christ, of his coming earthly kingdom. And where you and I will rule and reign with him if we walk in faith in the present tense. Striving through that narrow gate. Mm. Sorry guys, it's a narrow gate. Yeah. But believe me, it's a narrow gate, but a lot of people could get through it. But a lot of people will not get through it. Do you know why? Because Jesus said so. He's proclaiming and declaring. Do you hear those words? He's proclaiming and declaring. Yeah. It's the same message. Right? It's not two gospel messages. I'm over here just proclaiming and declaring the gospel of the grace of God. And over here, oh yeah, there's a message of the kingdom. Or, no, no, no. He's proclaiming the whole thing. He's proclaiming the kingdom as being the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And the grace, boy, is there grace involved in that. Massive grace throughout it all. Yeah. And Satan tries to divide up works and grace. Oh guys, you get arguing over here about grace. I've got you guys who are arguing over here about works. Oh, you've got to, you know, and they're all arguing. And nobody's getting the message. Very few are getting the message. Because they're so busy arguing about it that nobody's proclaiming the single simple message of the gospel of the grace of God proclaiming the whole counsel of God as to his coming kingdom. Context, context, context. Yeah? Mm. Gotta keep it there. So, let me ask you, if you're not proclaiming the kingdom, yeah, which is the gospel of grace, by the way, can you and I say, or anyone for that matter, that they're proclaiming the whole counsel of God? Absolutely not. Mm. You hear that? Absolutely not. You may think you are. You and I may think we are, but we're not. It's a divided message. It is not the whole counsel of God. And here's an even more bizarre question. Why would you not want to teach this gospel of the kingdom? Yeah? And therefore be among those teaching the whole counsel of God. Why would you refuse to do that? Mm. Yeah? And I don't know about you, but I ask myself that question every day of my life. When you talk to redeemed, when you talk to the redeemed about the whole counsel of God, the gospel of grace, the gospel of his coming kingdom, and they refuse it. They don't answer your emails. They don't listen to what you say. Dead. Deaf. Yeah? Why? Good question. Good question. Romans 15.8 You know, Paul confirmed that he's teaching the exact same gospel as Jesus preached. Do you understand that? Is it not? Is he not turning up with a different gospel? Mm. We just saw him in Galatians, you know, reproving the church for doing that. Yeah, he, he proved it to us in, in verse 24, 25 that we just read. It's the gospel of the kingdom. So when Jesus, when Jesus, when he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, he was restating the promises given to the forefathers in the Hebrew scriptures. Remember, we saw Abraham. Yeah, look at Romans 15:8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. To show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. He's confirming the gospel. So what was Jesus proclaiming when he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom? That's a good question, isn't it? He was actually confirming the promises that had already been made to Abraham. Yeah? And the patriarchs throughout the Hebrew scriptures. So let's remind ourselves of what that promise to Abraham was. Yeah? Galatians 13, 14. Now, one thing I want us to Genesis. sorry Genesis. Now, one thing I want us all to keep at the forefront of all of our minds is 
who these promises are made out to. Yeah, don't forget what we covered in, the, in session one. Remember that. It's to the redeemed, isn't it? It's to the redeemed. Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Now, just watch this. Northward, southward, eastward, westward. Did you see him looking up into heaven when he, God said that? Yeah? He's looking all around him, isn't he? Yes. North, east, south and west. Not heaven. <laughs> okay? So he's looking out. And what's he looking at? If you, if you go outside of here and you start looking north, east, land. <laughs> Get that picture in your mind. Oh, I should have just read the next verse. For all the land... All the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. What's the promise about? Kingdom. The kingdom. Land. It's specifically land he's talking about. He didn't say, look up and you're going to get heaven. You understand? No. So the promise to Abraham was about land. The kingdom is right here on earth, guys. It's not in a heaven. It's not in a heaven. Now you can read heaven into that if you want. To get really confused. But it's very clear in scripture. There's an energy section here in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 1. I'm going to read this. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring... Hold on. Good news. What do we know that to be? The gospel. Yeah. The gospel. To the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This is, uh, you're gonna, we're going to see Jesus Christ reiterating this section. Yeah, and that's why I've got it in here. Because we've got to see that he was bringing good news about the kingdom, right? To the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus stopped. Yeah. He stopped reading. And the next part when he stopped reading is really interesting because it talks about and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn but do you realize Jesus stopped reading there but do you realize that when Jesus quoted this section of scripture he stopped reading after the words the Lord's favor he was proclaiming the kingdom yeah. yeah and why did he not go on to read that because the day of vengeance was future right it was not going to happen during his first coming but at his second so Jesus in his earthly ministry, just like Paul, they were focused on the gospel of the kingdom, the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. Now let's look at Jesus' quote in this section. Luke 14, 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. What was he doing? He was proclaiming the good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Look in verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll. And they must have thought, well, oh, hold on. What's he cutting the teaching short for? Because <laughs> he couldn't read it. Because if he had read it, your Bible would fall apart. Yeah? Because he wasn't there to proclaim the day of vengeance of the God. He was there to proclaim the good news of the Lord's favour. Yeah. Fantastic. And he rolled up the scroll. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And they must have thought, oh, that was a short teaching. Didn't belong to the usual hour. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But he was there to proclaim the truth 
of the day of that proclaiming the good news of the Lord. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were all fixed on him. Mm. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Why could he say that? Because he did proclaim the good news. Yeah. Wow. But if he had gone on to read the day of vengeance of our God, and he sat there and said, Today, is that fulfilled in your ears as well? That would have been a lie. Do you understand? See the accuracy of the scripture. It's fantastic. Because the rest was not fulfilled that day. That's exactly why he stopped reading when he did. So why could Jesus say that? Because he did proclaim the Lord's favour. The vengeance is coming at a future date when he inaugurates his coming earthly kingdom. The day of vengeance of our God is coming. People don't want to hear it, but it is coming. Whether they like it and whether you and I like it, it's coming. Look at Matthew 24, 14. Some references to the gospel again. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed, this is him talking, throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And look at verse, let's skip down to verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What was he teaching? The kingdom. Yeah. Coming earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ when he returns as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Yeah. Now I want to clarify something here. The difference that people often differentiate between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Go to Matthew 19 verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, because we're going to see here, there is no difference, by the way. Yeah? They're synonymous terms. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same. It's not a difference. Now, you know this book's been written about the difference. Yeah? But the scriptures are clear. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is the same thing. Matthew 19, 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. So what are we doing praying to be a rich person for? <laughs> Get the message? Yeah, it shouldn't be taught for us to be rich. Verse 24, again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, did you see that? He's talking about the same thing. The kingdom of heaven in verse 22, sorry, verse 23, is the same thing as the kingdom of God in verse 24. Yeah. So you don't need to write books about it. Jesus made it very clear. Luke 20, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was teaching to the people in the temple, and what? Preaching the gospel. Yeah. What do you think he was preaching about? Yeah? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Of course it was. It was the gospel of the kingdom. The chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up. And you, some of these you need to read the context to get the full meaning. But Galatians 1.6 And I am, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him. Remember we read that earlier? Mm-hmm. Who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Paul's gospel, same gospel that Jesus Christ preached. Verse 7. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So we've got to make sure that we stay on that gospel, which is the same gospel Paul had as what Jesus Christ had. And he even tells us that, that he received it by revelation, hold on, from Jesus Christ. So you think it was something different? (laughs) I don't think so. Absolutely not something different. And we've got to be asking ourselves, what was it Christ preached? 
Just look at what he preached during the time between his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. That's going to give us a bit of a clue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Now, this is going to be the most important subject he could figure out to teach. Don't you think so? Yeah. I mean, I spend some time thinking through what I'm going to teach each Sunday. Yeah? What was going through the mind of Jesus Christ? I've got 40 days to teach these guys what's going to be the crowning sermon for all of them. Yeah. Yeah? What is it I need to communicate that will have an everlasting, age-lasting impact on their lives? That had to be going through his head. Had to be. Now bear in mind, he only spoke the words of God. Do you understand that? So what he's going to teach during the 40 days, having been resurrected from the dead, is what God wants him communicating. Look at John 14.10. Do not believe that I am in the Father and His Father is in, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Yeah. So what we're going to see Him teaching during the 40 days following His resurrection is what God wants communicated. Look at John 17.8. For I have given them the words that you gave me. Look at that, that's fantastic. The words that we read about that are coming out of the mouth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ are the words from the Creator God. Yeah. And they have received them, and they have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Fantastic. So let's look at what Jesus' last sermon looked like. And what he deemed all important yeah, to communicate to those who he loved and whom he was deserting in their minds. Yeah. He was getting out of there. So he was something really important he's going to communicate here. If you have one sermon to teach, what would you teach? Yeah? That's what's going through his mind. Acts 1. Until the day he was taken up, and after he had command, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Hold on. Appearing to them for what? Forty days. And speaking about the kingdom of God. What was it that God the Creator deemed so important to make the last sermon of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? The kingdom of God. So what was the title and the subtitle for the teaching for 40 days? Hey, you can hear them, can't you? Going off to fellowship. Can you, can you go to listen to the apostles talking, you know? Oh, no, not another teaching on that kingdom. <laughs> He's like a broken record. Does he have something else he can share with us? Yeah? No. It's the kingdom teaching today, guys. Yeah. Open up your Bibles, open up your scrolls. <laughs> yeah? Then they, they'll get up the next day. Yeah? So it's day two of the 40 days. Put their sandals on, they go off to fellowship with Jesus, and they'll be saying to themselves, Oh no. I bet he's teaching that kingdom again. Yeah? Betty teaches on the kingdom. I'm going to put a bet on that. But do you see the central importance of this kingdom teaching? And we, we've got to see it. Because us striving to enter into it is going to determine our inheritance in it. That's why we've got to see this. This is, as I said earlier, not optional. That's why Satan has blinded the minds of the redeemed so they never see it. Now I want to finish you off with a few choice words from uh, Bill Ramey's sharing. And I've listened to it a number of times on the web. 
And his website, www.inthebeginning.org, you can listen to teachings on the kingdom there as well. But I want to quote Bill because I, I think this capsulizes just the, so, the central importance of this message of the kingdom. Yeah, so I'm quoting Bill here. The kingdom of God is the golden thread which runs throughout God's revelation. And of this kingdom, all of scripture is its exposition. All of human history are preparatory stages for the kingdom's manifestation. It is the end which serves to explain the means. It is the object for which ages have passed and are ever to revolve and never to be repeated. It is the coming of Jesus that inaugurates the blessed hope. And when all the angels will bow down to worship the Son of Man. And that which the prophets, Jesus and the apostles continually focused upon as the bright light clearly illuminating the past and present so that we will endure. Isn't that fantastic? Mm -hmm. This is the central theme of all the revelation of Scripture. And we better get focused on it. Yeah. And we better stay on it. Because it's going to determine our inheritance in that coming kingdom. And I put a video on the bottom of your notes there to watch after this. And also Tim Black's um, shortcut to his Hebrew teachings. I encourage you to listen to that fantastic work. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth today. We thank you, Father, for the one gospel of Jesus Christ that we've got the privilege to know and understand. And that we can stay on that course, Father. And that nothing distorts us from it. That not, we are not led astray. But that we stay, stay on that course and stay clearly focused on that one gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.